Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Every week, we come together on the show and we have conversations about ministry, about the Bible, uh, theology, about the church, uh, about church history. And one of the topics that we often come back to, it's one of the more popular topics that we have on this show, is the topic of counseling, specifically biblical counseling, and what the Word of God says uh, about our emotions and our thought life. And uh, time and time again, people are reaching out and telling us, man, that episode about depression or anxiety or fear uh, was so beneficial to me. And so uh, we want to come together again and, and do another episode on that subject. And this week, we're going to be talking specifically about the topic of grief. And so in the human experience, in, in human life, one thing is for sure, we're all going to face loss at some point. And how we respond to that loss uh, says everything about our faith and what we believe uh, in God for. And so this is, a, I think, a, a topic that a lot of people need to hear about and learn about, whether it be for their own life uh, or for their ability to grieve with others and to counsel and to minister to other people in their churches or in their families or in, in their lives. And so uh, for this, I have invited uh, a common person onto our sh onto our show, someone you've you've ha we've seen many times on the show before, and that is our professor of biblical counseling here at LFBI, Jonathan Kindler. And so, with that, I want to introduce John. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, Amen. It's good good to have you here. Glad to be here. Uh, thanks uh, for being here. Your wife ran a half marathon. She did this morning. She did awesome too. She yeah. did good. Yeah, it was best amazing. time. Well, it was her first time. Oh. Yeah, so it was her best time. Yeah, she killed it though. She was, That's great. She was uh, consistent all the way through. I think I was starting to annoy her because I was on my bike and I was like, I think I saw her like eight times. Did you she have said, the cowbell? No, a lot of people did. Yeah. I was just videoing her and cheering her on. And yeah, she did so good. It was awesome. And then you ran a marathon in Chicago last weekend. I did. It was amazing. I haven't Super seen you cool. since then. I don't think so, yeah. Yeah, it was great. And you, uh, you qualified for the Boston Marathon. I did. Been working towards that for a while. Um, yeah, just with COVID shut everything down, started running a bunch and been trying to, I don't know, that's the way I've been staying in shape. So it was Man, good. Dude, I'm so impressed with the hard work that goes into that. I've been I'm, I've been amazed at your ability to just run the way that you run. It's intense and it's such a mental game too. You know, the day before the race, I was so just shook by it. My body was like aching everywhere, and uh, but really cool uh, just to run forty thousand people running through the streets of Chicago. You get to see twenty nine different uh, neighborhoods and just so much fun. And and just for me, it's been such a a time with the Lord. Um, I you know, just like trust the Lord to um, strengthen me and to bring people to mind. I got to pray for a lot of people. It's just such a cool experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. Blast. It's interesting though that you said that because like as you run, rather than being disengaged and becoming completely mechanical, mm -hmm. you have opportunity to just engage with the Lord and... Completely. That's fun. Like if, if once I get past myself, there's so much like, I, I feel really in tune with God and just like just sharing with him my thoughts and... Mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the things that uh, we, we talk about in here with counseling, but shifting our contemplations. So like, am I going to be able to do this? Am mm -hmm. I going to, to conversations? So contemplations yeah. to conversations with the Lord. And uh, it's just a, a practical place to do that. So it's been such a 
neat part of my relationship with God, getting away and getting out every day and running. So, yeah, I love that you do that. Yeah, it's fun. And now you you haven't just been running a bunch. Uh, you've got your counseling practice, of course, but you and I have been working on something really big mm -hmm. and it finally launched and that's our, our book. We did it. So here it is. Uh, it's officially John and I are introducing you to to our book, A Path a path Well Lit. Um, describe the book for people. Man, uh, theology and uh, philosophy on biblical counseling. Um, we have spent lots of time together talking about theology and counseling and how those two things intersect and, you know, spent time thinking about it. And so we started putting it together, mostly uh, for ourselves and for the Bible Institute and just came together. But if anyone is interested in being able to um, have a, an overview of what the Bible says about engaging with people who are suffering, um, wanting to have the shepherd's heart and, and really understanding what the Bible says about, you know, um, helping people, mm -hmm. um, it's a good, a yeah. good intro to yeah, that. Yeah, I think so too. And it, you know, we put a lot of time and energy into it. Um, and it is just a, it's just kind of a primer for someone who's getting started and needs the theological footwork, mm -hmm. groundwork, uh, before they, they build a practice on mm -hmm. it. You know, if Christians are wanting to, to be counselors, uh, learning about, you know, how the human mind and heart works in relation to the Lord is a big deal. So, yeah, I know I learned a lot as we were putting it together. Yeah, yeah, God showed us a bunch and I'm grateful for the, just the experience of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So good job, dude. Thanks. We did it. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm exhausted with the book. It's been good, but I'm I'm glad to move it on. It felt and, like it felt like a marathon. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah lots of late nights and yeah. things like that. But yeah. we had a lot of good help. And so if you're interested in the book, uh, you can find it on LFBI.org or um uh, on Amazon. So let's talk about the subject matter at hand, and that's and that's grief. And I think it's always important before we get into it and dig down deep, it's important for us to define what what that word means, what, what mm -hmm. is grief um, and how should we understand it um, at, when we talk about it? Yeah well, yeah. well, grief is the experience of loss, you know, and you kind of were talking through that the, in the beginning there, but, um, and loss impacts us mentally, emotionally, physically, it can impact us socially, um, culturally and, and spiritually. And so it's um, inevitable, right? Mm -hmm. We live in a world where, um, we're, we're doomed, you know, to experience loss in some way, you know, right. and um, it's inevitable for us to have that. And so we also live in a culture just on this side of the world where we don't do a great job of grieving. You know, we spend a lot of energy um, trying to avoid pain. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that before in, on, in here. Um, but um, in, in doing that, we, we avoid pain. And so then oftentimes we get in, you know, blindsided by loss. And so we don't always know uh, what grieving should look like. And so mm -hmm. I think it's good to look to God's word to, to see you know, what, what should this look like for us. And even in the church, we, we struggle with it as well. A lot of, a lot of times uh, our, in the church, we are focused on so many other things uh, that we don't really give space for uh, sorrow, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the reason for that often is the fear of despair and, and, and wallowing in sorrow. And, and of course that isn't mm -hmm. uh, helpful either, uh, but we do want to be able to work through it in a way, God's way. So working through grief, God's way. And my working definition of grieving is the process of acknowledging what's true. 
And, you know, in, in a counseling setting the, uh, or a pastor or a leader of someone who's helping someone through a loss, our role is to, to you know, join them in their loss and to identify um, what is true and what's not true. Because mm-hmm. that's one of the things that's really difficult about loss is we often end up believing a lot of things about that event or what it means about us that actually derails us from what God says is true about who we are, um, where he has us in the mission. Yeah, And so that kind of is our, our position is to to help people work through what it is for them and what it isn't for them. And according, you know, according to what God's word says about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, when we're talking about grief and, and we're talking about loss, um, that could be that could be lots of different things for different people in different circumstances. So I, th- I think like on one end, uh, some someone may lose their job mm-hmm. that they had for a long time. It was a part of their identity. They were very attached to what they did. Maybe they were passionate about what they did, and, and they lose that job. And suddenly they enter a, a period of grief and they have to figure out how to navigate all those emotions and work mm-hmm. through them before the Lord. And it could be as extreme as, as someone losing a loved one or a friend uh, tragically. And so um, it runs the gamut. Maybe walk us through different examples or common mm-hmm. examples of, of how someone might face grief. Yeah, like you're saying, it. Um, so as we grieve, um, it, it kind of moves into a spectrum, you know, so... Um, you know, loss isn't created equally. You know, there's lots of different types of loss, mm-hmm. and and yet um, it's significant for us to to work through all the losses that we do go through. Um, you know, sometimes we we uh, when we have a loss that we don't necessarily think is significant, we we might not even notice it, or we might minimize it or dismiss it. Right. But it's important for us to work through it because it allows us to um, practice moving through pain and and working through it in a biblical way. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you might go through something horrific like, um, you know, a diagnosis or um, you might be going through a divorce or a divorce in your family or, or experiencing a loss of a loved one um, or something as um, insignificant as it could seem to, you know, be dismissed by a friend or um, an expectation not being met and, and anything in between. There's all kinds of different things, like you said, like, a, mm-hmm. um, you know, losing your job or a house fire or um, something that happened to my wife and I or happened to me, I guess. I, uh, a few years back, I dropped the hard drive that our mm-hmm. wedding video was on. And man, it's like that that stunk, man. It's like every yeah. year our, when our, our you know wedding anniversary comes along, I, I think about that. And the first year I felt sick. You yeah, know, I, I was remember. Like, oh, yeah, I was like, I can't believe this. And you were like, well, we got married and there wasn't even video footage of it, right? But right. so it's like, it's relative, but for us, it, it was a loss. And then, you know, little things like you think about my boys, I'm like, man, it'd be cool to show them that video. So being able to work through that mm-hmm. biblically is important regardless of how extreme it is. Sure. Yeah. When we when we ignore loss, what are the dangers associated with just ignoring it, you know, shoving it under the rug or or, or moving on in life as though mm. that pain didn't enter in? I mean, what's the danger of doing that? Well, at first it it's helpful, right? You know, you're living your life and um, you know, pain is disruptive. Mm-hmm. Um and so um that's typically why we do it, you know, so I can find a way to not feel that pain. And, and, and when I do that, it, I feel some relief or uh, some escape. Uh, but just like ignoring any type of uh, pain or problem or dysfunction when we do that, 
it it's helpful in the moment, but long term it creates more problems. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, emotionally we can go septic if you if you repress pain long enough. Um, then when life squeezes you, it will it will come out at, at times when you're not ready for it. A, a picture that I I think of often when I when I think of this idea when I was 18, I was riding my bike. I got hit by a car. I went through the window. Mm-hmm. You remember this? Yeah. Um, a long story short, they sewed my hand up. They'd taken a lot of the glass out of it. But over the course of the next six months to a year, every now and then, if I picked up something heavy, I would feel this sharp pain in my hand. And so I'd see this little, you can see the scar right mm-hmm. there, but I would feel this little you know, speck there and I would have to scratch at it. It was painful right? To work that little piece of glass out. Yeah. Glass was surfacing. Surfacing. It was, my body was pushing it out. And when I felt, you know, when I picked up something heavy, I felt that pain. And so that's the same thing with, you know, loss if, or any type of emotional pain, if we don't address it, um, when life squeezes us, or if we pick up something heavy, we feel that pain Mm -hmm. surface then, whereas Mm -hmm. we maybe thought we had dealt with it by repressing it. Yeah. And I think some, some ways that you see that manifest sometimes, People will suddenly and unexpectedly uh, fall into deep depression, mm-hmm. you know, and they can't explain exactly where it's coming from. Yeah. What is this? My life is fine, yet right. I don't feel fine. Right. Yeah. Or it might, uh, in some cases, look like, um, you know, we don't like this word, but it's a legit word to explain what we're talking about. Someone else's loss mm-hmm. might trigger some pain that they didn't mm-hmm. expect. Mm-hmm. And so then they find themselves um, falling prey to mm-hmm. the pain that they didn't address uh, through through the experience of another person, yeah. and now they have to relive it and, and deal Absolutely. with it in a way that is afresh. So, yeah. So that pain um, from the past is, you know, I, I think of it being like poked in the present. You have like this emotional sunburn, you know. So somebody else is going through something, or something hits you in life, and um, it reminds you, or reminds even your body, like there's mm-hmm. this remembrance of it and all of that pain that you had dissociated from is now surging into the foreground of your life and it's incredibly disruptive and um, really I mean it it leads to us uh, developing habits uh, to cope uh, that that really distract us from well God getting glory from our life us having real peace and joy and yeah distractions in all kinds of ways so maybe talk to us a little bit about why we grieve like why is that built into us um, why has god given us kind of that that uh, emotional um whiteboard mm-hmm. you know to to work on and, and to work through uh our our issues mm-hmm. why is why is grieving important and and what does it look like often maybe maybe just in in our flesh in a carnal sense what does it look like and how does it manifest itself mm-hmm. when we're when we're grieving through something we grieve because God designed us to. You know, we live in uh, a world that is obviously broken and mm-hmm. disheveled, and and so God designed us to be in right relationship with Him. And um, the brokenness of our world, so the pain, the anguish of our world, is 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 not righteous, right? Mm-hmm. And so it separates us from Him. And so. Um, when we grieve, it is us moving towards him. And that's why I describe it as acknowledging what's true, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's this process of um, identifying where I'm at in contrast to where truth is at, Mm. you know? So God, uh, we we grieve because uh, we need to be 
with the father. You know, I think of like, um, when I think of the process of grief, I, I think of like a natural disaster. So, you know, um, at some point in your life, uh, you know, that storm is going to be on your front porch. You know, when you hear the sirens go off or maybe you don't and you're mm -hmm. blindsided by the storm and your house is the, is on the path of that tornado or whatever. And, yeah. and you get hit by hardship and a trial or tribulation. It's like, uh, and it decimates your world. And so you climb out of the rubble of whatever just hit you and you're, you're standing on the wreckage of this disaster. And, um, so there's, there's a lot that happens to a person in that moment. Mm -hmm. Right. And there, the, you know, there's clinical frameworks for this, you know, there's five steps to, uh, to, you know, working through grief. And, um, I, I think some of those are, are flawed or are limited mostly in, um, acknowledging the fact that grief is unique and nonlinear. Mm. In fact, um, a lot of times we think we need to grieve, have a season of grief. And in reality, um, we need to uh, allow grief to be seasonal in our life, mm. um, meaning that it's okay for us to acknowledge what's true as we move through the hardships of life. You know, it would be reasonable um, to grieve a loss uh, on the milestones developmentally as you go through something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I even think about Austin. Yeah. You yeah, know. so I think this is, you know, one of the things that has brought us together as friends, but also caused us to write the book or to do these episodes is that we're both motivated by a loss. Right. That we both experienced together. And Absolutely. that was the loss of my brother Austin mm -hmm. in 2005. Yeah. And, and so going through that grief together was really important for our friendship. Mm -hmm. But I think we both learned a lot through that experience. Mm -hmm. And we had each other, which was good, was the good news is that we had each other and, and mm -hmm. that made it that made it easier in some ways, but but the grief doesn't it doesn't really relent. And you you mentioned this idea of this of seasons. Well, mm -hmm. there was a period of time where I had to deal, deal with it and confront it every single day. Yeah. And um and uh that that season passed. Mhm. Mm but then the seasons come back. There's moments, like even in this moment, just right now, right? Like Absolutely. just feeling moved, like the grieving comes back. And I think that's really important to the model that you're presenting to us, that it's not just like this momentary season, mm -hmm. but it is seasons. And it is, it, it, it's a wound that you carry your whole life mm -hmm. and learning how to deal with that mm -hmm. is, is important. And you were about to say something, but. I mean, that's it. It's like, um, so I think about Austin and, all, all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and a, a lot of emotions, sadness, um, earlier on, there was a lot of unpleasant emotions. I mean, even just the, the details of his loss for me and our friendship, I felt regret. I felt responsible. I felt shame. So I had to work through those things. And when I worked through them God's way and, and actually talking with you about it, even, and just identifying that there were some things that I was believing about his, the, the loss of him, that weren't true. And so it allowed me to work through the harder seasons. And there's a lot of joy. You know, I think about just the things that we got to do together and um, the fact that it brought us together. Uh, but lots of things, like the other day when Shepard got a skateboard for his birthday, I mm -hmm. thought about Austin. Like yeah. We were standing out in front of your house and I thought, man, Austin would think this is really cool. Yeah. Stuff like that. And so I think that's important because of the um, of what it's, what it's for, right? It's for us acknowledging 
uh, the brokenness of of this life, and then moving towards God in a way where it brings us into fellowship right. with Him. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking to that, and I think it's really important to the subject matter is that when a person who does not have faith in in Christ um, grieves, it takes a different tone, mm-hmm. and it has to draw different conclusions. So in our instance, if we're, if we're using Austin as an example, mm-hmm. um, because we recognize that there is a, uh, there are two, two realms in one reality, mm-hmm. right? That there is this, this temporal realm and then there's an eternal realm, but it's one single reality. And that, that death for my brother, because he knew Christ, meant just passing from one realm to the next mm-hmm. where he's awaiting us. And those types of things provide a level of comfort. Mm-hmm. And even just... Um, a, a roadmap for navigation that other people just can't have. Mm-hmm. Maybe explain that to us a little bit and why that's important. Um, it is so um, like the darkness that people move through when they don't um, have faith, when they go through loss is is terrifying. Like if you could think about putting yourself in a place where your, your world is shattered because you lost something that you can only conceptualize on this side of heaven because you don't, you don't have any understanding, you don't have any truth, you don't have any framework for what's on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so it, is, uh, it can be uh, devastating for people. It can completely derail their life. It can change their complete personhood, mm-hmm. right? They move into um, this pain that we went into but then they don't move out of it. Sadness becomes where they live. Mm-hmm. You know, anger becomes who they are. You know, uh, this bitterness takes root and it and it transforms them, right? And so, um, and if it's not that, then they a lot of times move into some form of denial and they are preoccupied with trying to fill their life so that they don't feel that kind of pain, mm-hmm. pain like a loss of a loved one or any kind of loss. And naturally, as you move through life, you just keep losing things. Yeah. And so you see a lot of despair, you know, dis, you know, desperation and people who are living in despair as they age. And you see, you know, people that are later in their life and they have nothing and they've yeah. lost everything. Yeah. And they've all the ways that they've tried to comfort themselves and distract themselves have ran out. It's like bleak. Yeah. You know? So they, and, and what happens is you'll see this in some people is that they measure their life and the and the 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 narrative of their life mm. based on loss. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I was in danger of this. I was in danger of this. I mean, I've I've been guilty of saying things that like um, everyone I've ever loved leaves me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's because you know, I, I mean, I lost my sister uh, at a young age, and then <clears throat> to lose, you know, my father le- ran out on us, and then he died, and then my brother died, and then mm-hmm. just it, like trial after trial produced this mindset that was actually very dangerous. Right, that, mm-hmm. that if if all life was was loss, that was actually had the potential. That way of thinking had the potential of suspending me in the temporal, yes, and keeping me from seeing outside of myself, yes, yeah, and even just seeing joy, the mm-hmm. joys and, and and the goodness of life as well, because that is the counter. Thankfulness and gratefulness for what we have is the counter to mm-hmm. to the loss and 
the disparity of what we don't have. Man, that's it. I mean, like you're describing uh, one loss after the next, and it and it becomes this, like you described this narrative of my life where I'm a victim to loss. Mm-hmm. And so then I, I have to build some sort of callous to that, some sort of armor to that. And so it, we build these coping strategies as you're describing, like these conclusions about life, and then they become self-fulfilling everyone leaves me. And so then we become guarded and hard. And and, and all you see is, is loss. So now absolutely. you frame your life that way. So when anything bad happens to mm-hmm. you, you just, you just categorize that like, oh, that's just another disappointment. Absolutely. That I'm, I'm destined, I'm cursed to experience. Mm. And, and the reason it's so needful for us to grieve God's way Right, so it's needful for us to acknowledge what's true, and we think about this as as pastors and and counselors and friends of people who are grieving. Our role is to to sit with them and help them wrap words. That's the way that we create meaning. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of times we just feel all of these sensations of of pain and anguish, and we want to help them say, "Oh, this is where you're at." This is where you're at, but not to live there. And that's what that's what happens when people don't acknowledge what's true. They don't have the word of God as as an anchor, as a foundation. But we want to uh, use the word of God as as something that uh, reorients them mm. to the truth. So it's we want to acknowledge where they're at, so that we can direct them where they need to go. I think of the like the um, the idea of like inviting someone over to your house. It's like, hey, where are you at? You know, I need yeah. to know where you're at so I can tell you where you need to be. And right. so if someone is just wallowing in where they're at, but they have no trajectory, I think something mm-hmm. you've told me that's really cool, because um, you have experienced a lot of loss, but because you have worked through it God's way, it's aligned you with God's plan for your life in a way where you're so missional. It's like, man, I've lost all these things that are in this in this life. And so you have your eyes set a lot of times on the things, you know, past this life in a way that people who haven't had a loss like you have, have trouble grasping Mm -hmm. even. So uh, we get so attached to this world. And uh, when we lose something, it gives us perspective on the reality that we're living in this vapor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what you said about the orientation part is is really important. So I think in order to... um, I think contextualize my loss the right way in a biblical sense mm-hmm. to, to, to see, okay, well, there are other people who've lost before. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, my story is certainly not even the worst one. Mm-hmm. And so what was it that they were supposed to, what is it that I'm supposed to recognize about my own life and where I'm at right now in order to make a determination about where I'm supposed to be in terms of God's plan and promise mm-hmm. for, who, for who I am. And so creating that orientation about, okay, here's where I'm at. This is the reality of the situation. Well, well, why? Um, now, now, the why questions don't always get answered. Maybe we should mm-hmm. come back to that, mm-hmm. the idea of why. But but I have to understand that in light of God's will for my life, mm-hmm. that he is trying to put me on a path. And so the thing that I had to realize was I have been through these losses in order to protect me from a, a life of um, complacency. Mm. Like ultimately I had to realize that it was a, it was part of God's calling on my life to make me to live as though life is short, mm-hmm. and and it is short. It is ver- it's very short, and and I have to make use of every moment and every relationship. And so the grieving process had to include me figuring out 
why is it am I in this position and how what direction do I need to turn in order to fulfill God's mm-hmm. will and plan for my life specifically? Mm-hmm. So let, maybe let's address that issue of why because you can't like someone experiences a loss. Maybe there's a divorce going on mm-hmm. with their parents and they can't figure out why this is happening. Um or it could be the loss of a loved one and it's unexpected and you know you know in situations like that God can God could Mm-hmm. God could have protected my brother from that car accident. Yeah, he didn't have to slide that particular way. He didn't. Ha- things didn't have to go that way. Um, but but God chose in that moment to take His life. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of why questions about that. Right, just naturally, anybody that faces, why are the why questions good, and mm-hmm. why are the why questions bad? Right. Well, we can get lost in it in the why. You know, um, it's important for us to know that. Um, as we, as we, you know, wade through the hardship, um, asking why is significant because it, it, it's getting us through the unpleasant pain that we're in. So we're making our way through. But at the end of the day, there's things that we need to hold to. One being that, man, God's ways are not my ways. When we're in the shadow of the valley, mm-hmm. that's where we live. Like God doesn't live in a valley. So we can have peaks and valleys in our life and we, we just live where, wherever we are. So we're in the shadow. All we see is the shadow, right? We mm-hmm. can't see uh, the goodness. We can't even hardly remember, you know, God's, you know, provision from the past. We get so consumed right where we are. So I think what's significant is we, as we work through it, and even as a counselor, our role is to join them in the valley, but also bring truth with us, right? So Mm -hmm. we can know God's perspective. We might not know why, but we know that he knows why, Mm -hmm. right? So we can have that, we can have that perspective. And so it's all about grieving God's way is all about grieving with perspective. Mm -hmm. I can move towards my pain while also holding truth. So God, why, why have you, you know, you abandoned me? You know, this is something we hear David saying a lot. You've, you've left me. Um, yet at the same time, God, I can remember what's true about who you are, that you haven't abandoned me, that you're good, that you're faithful, and I can worship you. Mm-hmm. And so it's this balance of working through our humanness to get to the other side so that as the 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 um, the fog clears from our human experience of it, we remain on the other side anchored to God's truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the why question, that if we don't, if we rely so heavily on the why, then there's a tendency to become superstitious about who God is. Mm-hmm. Like we can create a false narrative about what God's doing in our life and we can use that as a crutch, mm-hmm. but that crutch gets knocked out so easily mm-hmm. because when God doesn't come through on the promises or the projections that we put upon him, like, God, I thought this was why. Mm-hmm. I think that's a dangerous thing too. And, and you can find yourself doing that. Like, God, you're not coming through on the why, the answer. To, right. Well, you actually invented that. Right. Right. God, I'm much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to refine you. I'm trying to make a character of you mm-hmm. because the why is always the same. Well, it's my will. Mm-hmm. The will is the why, the answer to why is the kingdom of God is why. Absolutely. And 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 eternity is why. And my son is why. Right. And and that impacts you in a way that you might not understand mm-hmm. or have all of your answers, you know, the questions to your your uh that you have answered. 
We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. Hi, my name is Chris Allred. Uh, my wife, Lindsay, and I are at Oakland Heights Baptist Church in Cartersville, Georgia, where we've been for about six years. We've served in a lot of different ministries, uh, but our main function has been to lead the middle school ministry for the past five years up until this past August where we've transitioned into leading our high school student ministry. Uh, we've been taking LFBI classes for a few years now, and, and they've been a, a really big blessing in our life. They've been instrumental in our training and our growth process. Proverbs 11 says that there's safety in the multitude of counselors. That's exactly what LFBI has been for us, a multitude of counselors. Uh, not only do we do we get some biblical knowledge and some doctrinal training, but we have pastors and missionaries teaching these classes uh, that have a lot of experience in ministry and are able to, to not just teach us from a book, but actually uh, pour some wisdom into our lives from their experience and, and help to, to prepare us and train us for leadership and make us into more godly leaders and ministers. And, and LFBI has been a huge blessing, and I believe it's done just that in my life uh, thus far. I've, I've got godly men helping me to become a godly man. And I'm very grateful for LFBI. It's been a huge blessing. Visit LFBI.org to learn more about Living Faith Bible Institute. And now back to the show. On, on the side of eternity, you might get that answer, but, but here where you're at, it's good enough for me as God to mm. know that you are going to obey me. <laughs> so when we know that we're doing that right, uh, we can ask the question, is my grief leading to self-preservation or is it leading to God glorification? Mm. And the significance between those two postures, because sometimes it can look the same, right? But self-preservation, it's like, I need you to answer why, mm -hmm. right? And if I can't understand it, then I need to distance myself from this pain. And so we find ourselves doing all kinds of things, bargaining with God, mm -hmm. uh, accusing God, uh, dissociating from God, dissociating from our pain, uh, all kinds of ways to try to be okay. I need to preserve myself uh, in contrast to God glorification, which looks like us moving towards God in a way of saying, the only thing I know is that you are going to receive glory. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the only thing I can like plant my feet on. And so when we know that going in, right. And that's, that's really the role of uh, the counselor, or the, the mm -hmm. pastor, a lot of times to, to stand with someone in, in the midst of that and say, I'm going to hold this anchor for you. So then when things subside, you know, the pain subsides, we can remind ourselves of what's true. And, and it acts as the word of God acts as a, as a, as a ruler or, 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 um, a straight edge, right? Mm -hmm. So, oh, that's something that we're we're believing on. It's not true. Like, well, everyone leaves in my life, or um, everything's going to fall apart in my life, or God actually doesn't uh, love me, or mm -hmm. He's not even there. So, there's things that we come up with and we can believe on and and develop a narrative too. And so, um, we have to hold those anchors as we're moving through the hardship. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So. Let's maybe focus on the, the, the biblical for a moment and the theological and, and look to examples in Scripture. Um, from a biblical perspective, um, is the, the, the experience of grief an acceptable one, which obviously I think we've already addressed that it is, just depends on how you approach it. Mm -hmm. What are some examples in Scripture of people who've gone through grief and um, have provided us with the wrong way or the right way to, mm -hmm. do, that, to do that? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Word of God is all about like the, the entirety of the Bible is about God's glory. And uh, it's a redemption story, right? From the beginning, um, we were separated from God. And so naturally 
as we are separated from a righteous, holy God, there's going to be pain and loss. Mm -hmm. We live in a world that's completely broken, and the Bible is full of people who are going through pain yeah. and sorrow. You know, you see Abraham um, burying his wife, Sarah, right? He's going through loss. You see uh, David grieving the loss of his child with Bathsheba after everything yeah. that went down. It's like we see these pictures of it. We see Job, his whole life gets decimated. And Job actually provides us, you know, as we were just talking about, a good posture. He said, though you slay me, I will still trust you. So it yeah. gives us this perspective of that thing that you and I were just saying where, God, um, it seems as though, you know, you're not there or that you don't care or even that you have it out for me. Right. And at the same time, I know it's true and I can trust you in that. So we have these pictures. We see, um, you know, Mary and Martha with their son or their brother, rather, Lazarus passing. And we see ourselves in them like, Jesus, like if you would have just been here, right. like if you would have just answered the prayer that you promised that you would, you would answer this prayer, then he wouldn't have had to have died. But we also see Jesus represent um, the counselor too. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the good shepherd who weeps with them and grieves alongside them. And I think this is an, a, a cool picture that Jesus provided because obviously Jesus and the disciples knew that this was a good thing. Like he said, he said before he even got there, mm -hmm. I, it's good that he died for your sake because you need to see what, what I'm capable of, right? Mm -hmm. And it pictured the resurrection. So there's this cool picture where he allowed them to grieve and grieved with them, even though he knew that it was good. Mm -hmm. So as counselors, when we're sitting with someone and we can, we're holding on to our, you know, Romans 5, you, you know, hey, you can glory in this tribulation, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it produces something in you. We know that and we might need to hold off on that and, you know, communicate that and, and good timing. But the reality is we can weep with them and wait for gently wait and be apt to teach mm -hmm. uh, in the moment when we can communicate to them, hey, this is really crazy. This is hard. And at the same time, let's start naming like how it's produced something in your life, mm -hmm. right? Let's just start like creating uh, a tally of how mm -hmm. God has been moving even in the midst of this valley. Right. Yeah. I, uh, to, to what you're saying is really interesting. It made me think, you know, just like with, with, uh, Mary and Martha, um, you know, Mary was very upset mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the accusations were, you know, if, if you would have been here. So I have this journal that I kept uh, in the years preceding my brother's death because mm -hmm. I was really concerned about his life. And I was worried that he, you know, he wouldn't, if he kept living the way he was living, he wouldn't make it. Mm -hmm. And so I can't go back to those journals because in those journals is prayer after prayer um, asking God to preserve his life. Mm -hmm. You know, like, God, do not take my, don't take my brother. Mm -hmm. Just don't, please just don't do that. If, if there's, you could do anything, do anything else, just do anything else. And it was almost like God was preparing me uh, mm -hmm. in some way for the loss. Now, the thing mm -hmm. was, the thing that I had to do w once he passed away and, and my greatest fear was realized, uh, I had to reckon that before God. And I could have, I had two narratives that I could have walked away with. Yeah. And I think so many of us are in that position where mm -hmm. we can, there's, there's two different narratives that we could walk away with. Mm -hmm. And one could be accusatory and, and aban abandonment and frustration and, and then end up living a life that's just about 
survival mm-hmm. uh, or determining, you know what, God, you had a greater, even though that was my prayer, mm-hmm. I don't always get my way. I, I know that. Mm-hmm. And your way is perfect. Yeah. Even in the, the greatest kinds of loss, mm-hmm. your way is perfect. And so I'm going to walk with you. Yeah. Like wherever you go, I'll walk. And, and it'll be okay with me mm-hmm. because I know that the love of Christ extended to me far surpasses that sense of love and that charity that you've had for me far is far greater in magnitude mm-hmm. than the loss that I'm experiencing in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So just like you were just describing that you had these two paths you could um, move forward with and, and you had to trust God and, and move with him because uh the reality, the spiritual reality of what Christ had done in your life. And you knew that even though, um, you know, this loss and your prayer was not answered the way that you wanted, it was better to be with God. Mm-hmm. And we see these kind of um, examples in scripture. You see Paul, he he had this thorn in the flesh. You know, he talks about praying three times to God, God, would you remove this? Would you remove this? And God said, no. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would imagine we don't we don't actually know fully what that thorn was, and I think in a lot of ways God led that left that open ended for yeah, us, it's ambiguous, so we can kind of put ourselves in that. We can input whatever it is that we're asking God uh, for, and you know, essentially God said, "My grace is sufficient," and and Paul came to the conclusion of contentment. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it's better. Okay, I'll 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 take this thorn and walk with you any day. Yeah, you know, and so we we take this position, and um, one of the um, the uh, protocols that I go to in counseling is in Ephesians four, where we we put off the old man, we renew our minds, and we put on the new man, mm-hmm. and and that's something that I work with with people who are grieving. So we're acknowledging what's true, and as I walk with them, we start to acknowledge the truth about the hardships, and we name and we wrap words around their pain, and then we start to put off the things that aren't true, mm-hmm. right. We're believing things that aren't true. These narratives that, you know, the accuser of the brethren or wherever it's coming from, we start putting those off and then we renew our minds. We remind ourselves of what is true. We go to scriptures and we find applicable passages to identify mm-hmm. with and um, imprint on our mind. And then we put them on, right? Mm-hmm. We put on uh, the reality of that. And it's something we have to do consistently. So I think about um, walking with somebody who is grieving and, and it's not just one season, but we're giving them tools to be able to implement seasonally, right? So they know, hey, okay, I need to put that off again. Uh, I've identified with it. I've been praying for something. God's saying, no, I need to be content. So mm-hmm. providing them with the tools to be able to continue in the seasons as they come. Yeah, and to set right patterns so that they can be employed even when grief or pain or mourning Creeps up on them. Absolutely. Yeah, it hits again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, based on that, when, when someone, you know, there's a lot of people that have maybe gone through loss and haven't gone through a proper assessment of their grief, like mm-hmm. haven't really worked through it. You know, we talked early on in the episode about just people kind of shuffling through it to get beyond it and, and to preoccupy themselves with other thoughts and other things, other emotions. So say someone's listening to this episode and they're recognizing, you know, I haven't properly gone through my grief, um, and especially in the case of the loss of a loved Mm -hmm. one, what are some common emotional symptoms that they need to be looking for in order to acknowledge or assess whether or not they've actually properly gone through that? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, 
based on that, how can a counselor, if, 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 some, if we want to be counselors and we want to provide help to people, how can we help them navigate through those symptoms once they're discovered? It's kind yeah. of a big question. Well, I think the first thing that we have to, to say, just a guiding principle, is that um, we need to grieve at the level of our loss. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, what, I, what I mean by that is um, whatever it is that you went through, um, and we kind of talked about that spectrum earlier, um, it's going to take more grief. It's going to take more uh, processing and working through, depending on how much it impacted you. And as the, the, the helper, the pastor, or the counselor, or the friend, we aren't, uh, our role isn't to determine that level of loss, but more so to help them identify the deep, how deep that uh, level of pain is mm-hmm. um, so that we can find out just where they are. One thing that I, I see people doing is they set uh, unrealistic expectations for themselves. So, um, you know, I'm done weeping over this. It's been a month. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah. And I understand the, you know, the mentality behind that because they want to move on with their life. But what they're doing is they're setting themselves up for failure uh, because the reality is it's seasonal. So you're going to have moments where you're going to weep again, probably. And then you're going to feel shame because you've already determined between yourself and God that you were done with that. Right. And so here you are not done with that. So we want to shift to being uh, from being critical and just being more curious about, well, why is it that I'm still grieving this? Mm-hmm. If it is that you think that you should be past it and you're not, let's quit focusing on why you're not past it and, and under, or, you know, that it's bad that you're not past it and focus more on why, like what's yeah. going on for you? What's, yeah. what's there? What are you not acknowledging? And, and moving back to some of those tools mm-hmm. that we've worked on. And so a lot of times, you know, you'll feel like you were saying earlier, like these emotional surges where it doesn't make sense. I've, I'm feeling down or I'm anxious or I'm having stomach issues, like all these physiological things can come up. And so we want to be curious about those things and and bring them to uh, the Lord. Like, hey, God, I'm. what's this about for me, right? Mm-hmm. Talking some, with someone about it. And it allows us to extract anything that maybe is there that hasn't been dealt with. Mm. Um, you know, you were, you were talking about um, kind of investigating, investigating why you feel the way you feel. And I think one of the things that's really important is to understand that there's a there's kind of a a paradox at work. You can't you don't actually move beyond your grief in some regard. It's like something that's always with you. Mm-hmm. And I think acknowledging that it's it's something that's always with you is actually okay. Mm-hmm. Right? That's not that's not that doesn't make you some sort of uh, freak. Or it doesn't even make you faithless. Mm-hmm. Um, it just means that it's a reality of who you are and the experience of your life. Mm-hmm. And learning how to walk with the Lord. And, and be in relationship with him and reckon those things rightly. It's just a reality of who you are moving forward, right. and that's okay. But the paradox of that and the, and the evil stepchild of that would be uh, identifying with your loss, where it becomes your identity. This is me. It's your, it's your scarlet letter or whatever right. it is, and you've got to wear it everywhere you go. And that's like an over-integration of mm. your loss into your life. And I think that's dangerous too. So while you always carry the grief or you carry the pain or you carry the scar, it's critical that we distinguish between a healthy relationship mm-hmm. with the world where we deal with that pain versus saying, this is who I am now. I think what you just said is the most important thing we've said today because uh, it's it's hard for people to find the space in between. Mm-hmm. So often people completely are in denial and so they're not, 
They're not working through any of their pain and it disables them. And then people are completely identifying with it to the point where it disables them. Mm -hmm. In reality, we allow those things to refine us into the image of Christ. We can glory in tribulation because it produces patience and experience and hope. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be ashamed, mm -hmm. right? So we, we allow ourselves to work through it, but to find our identity in anything in this world, including something that we've lost, is only going to handicap us. Mm -hmm. It's only going to keep us from the mission uh, from bringing God glory, and then just to have the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Mm. What, what's the biblical message for someone who is is grieving? Ultimately, um, we don't have to grieve like the world, right? The world, it says in First uh, Thessalonians 4, you sorrow not even as others which have no hope, right? Mm. The world uh, grieves without perspective, Right, their grief is is not uh, something they move through, but it's something they live in. And so, um, from a biblical perspective, we don't have to live in it. And our goal is to to frame our light, our our loss in light of spiritual realities. It says, "Death is swallowed up in victory." Mm -hmm. Man, where is your sting, death? You know, yeah. um, grieving God's way is the process of extracting the venom from the bite. You know, if you mm. get bit by a snake, that's not cool, right? <laughs> no, um, that not. That's painful, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if it's venomous, uh, you know, you think the bite is bad. Right. Wait till, you know, that venom starts taking, wait till that poison starts taking hold. So when we extract the poison, it's like, yeah, we have this bite, but I'm going to live. <laughs> I, ha I get to do tomorrow. This is a, a wound that's going to heal, right? And so... When we grieve God's way, it is extracting that poison. And, and that's the truth is that a lot of times people don't extract the poison. So they live mm -hmm. death in life. Yeah, man. It's so, so true. Um, so what, what recommendations do you have for people who are, who are going through these, these feelings yes. or emotions right now? Yeah. So this is kind of, this is more practical. So, um, don't be reactive. You know, a lot of times I'll meet with people and, um, they make big decisions as they're going through loss. And when you when you get blindsided by something you weren't expected, you're, you're kind of dazed and mm -hmm. disoriented. And um, a lot of ways that people try to cope is by doing something immediate. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it can be devastating. So don't do anything, you know, reactive. Don't, allow, buy, don't buy a yacht. <laughs> right. Don't sell your house <laughs> and buy a school bus and, and try to, you know, make it run off vegetable oil or something. Yeah. It's like yeah. just... Allow yourself to to sit with it, you know, right. and to work through it. And it's okay. It's okay to to hit pause a little bit and to sit in it and um, and allow yourself to work through it. So don't be reactive. Um, one thing that uh, I think is is helpful. We've kind of covered this a little bit, but when we think about glorying in tribulation, uh, when we're going through loss, when when the fog does clear, and and sometimes it kind of comes in waves, you know, mm -hmm. like we're describing, but that we do anchor ourselves to the truth every time that we, you know, that the fog clears. So a lot of times you're you're just getting bombarded. So we need to keep resetting ourselves, recalibrating ourselves, and I, I think. Um, when we surround ourselves with people that can give us perspective, whether it be, you know, uh, our disciple or our pastor, or our friend or whoever, somebody who can hold us to that anchor, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's super important. So we need people with perspective in our life. Um, I think something that often happens is when we go through seasons of pain, 
Um, we, we allow unpleasant emotions to go unchecked to the point where they build or they, they grow roots of bitterness in our life. And so one of the things that you can be certain of if you have a good person with perspective in your life is they're always going to be moving you towards reconciliation, you know, in your life. So, Mm -hmm. um, challenging, forgiving and reconciling. So having someone who can give you perspective to do that. Yeah. Again, we need to establish realistic goals, right? So like making these uh, determinations, I'm not going to move past, you know, uh, or I'm going to move past this pain. I'm done weeping over this uh, often leads to shame and can be debilitating. So again, reminding ourselves that uh, grief is not just a season, but seasonal. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that I think is, is just practical um, we need to be able to step out of the stream of the fire hose. You know, so I think of like a fire truck that carries the water with it. It's like, right. man, f- grief can just completely decimate you, just blast you, right? right? And it's okay to step out of feeling it all, you know, constantly. And sometimes people feel guilty for that. Like I've lost some somebody. And, and so I, I deserve to go through this. Yeah, right? and they deserve for me to be, you know, in this, you know, and so it's needful to, to be able to step out of that stream and, and to have some balance in your life. And so, uh, meeting with somebody can be really helpful in doing that. You know, if I think about like, okay, I'm going to meet with Brandon on Tuesdays at three. And, um, that's when I'm going to let myself stand in the stream Mm -hmm. and, and then I'm going to shut it down. Um, and, and maybe you're not able to, and another practical thing is I have people write, a formal prayer. So they work really hard on, okay, these are the things that I want to ask the Lord of. These are the things that I know that I need. And they write it down. And then every day the structure is I'm going to, I'm going to pray this prayer to God mm-hmm. and then I'm going to close it and I'm going to put it back in my pocket. And if I need to, I'll pray this prayer again. So it creates some structure for them. So they're not just spilling out all the time. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. need that kind of uh, balance in our life or we can get lost in and something if it if it's significant mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you mentioned um, is is also this idea that every loss can can make us more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important. At the end of the day, is that that Christ went through pain and suffering and sacrifice beyond anything that we can comprehend. His entire creation uh, denied him and crucified him. Uh, the ones that he walked with in the garden rejected him for something yes. that they thought was more convenient. Um, and, and almost in every instance, it's like it's like Christ has the ability to say what I was tempted to say, yeah. is that my whole life has only been about loss. Like that's yeah. this is my experience. Right. Christ has the rights to say that, and yet yeah. he doesn't. And right. the reason he doesn't is because he understands the reality of the promises ahead of us. Right. And so whenever we face loss... We can enter into his, the fellowship of his sufferings, mm-hmm. make the claims that he makes, right. and ultimately become more like Christ Absolutely. because of what we've gone through. That's it. Yeah. And so I think that's a really important thing that you've, you've showed me, too, is, is, is how important that is. And John, thank you. I mean, there's so much to talk about, um, but obviously we'll do more of these episodes so, yeah. pe- so people can get more of this. Um, if people um, ha- are in need of help in this area and mm-hmm. they need to reach out is that something that they can do yeah absolutely um you can uh soundmind.live 
That's, that's my, the, the name of your practice is Sound Mind. Yeah, you can uh, email me, jonathan.soundmind.live. We have uh, other counselors there too. And yeah, would love to be able to sit with people. And I would just encourage people too, like um, don't be afraid or ashamed to move towards the people that God has put in your life. Um, you know, oftentimes we suffer in silence and that's a cultural thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where we don't want to inconvenience or we don't want to burden people. And so we we cope by um, making our, our pain small. We tell ourselves it's small uh, and we end up suffering in silence. And that's not, God gave us his word. He gave us the Holy Spirit and he gave us the body of believers. Right. Yeah. We need to lean into the people he's put in our path. So. Um, I'm sure there's someone listening right now who have people in their life that would be devastated to think that they're suffering and not communicating it to to yeah. them. So yeah. this is your permission, you know, if you're you're listening, you, this is your permission to reach out to someone um, to 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 ask them to sit with you and to to help help you walk through whatever it is that you're working yeah. through. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's good. That's a great invitation for people to hear. Um, John, thank you for being with me. Um, we'll do another episode here in the near future. But in the meantime, if you, if you can't get enough, um, again, uh, we just finished this book, A Path Well Lit. Um, and it's it's some people refer to it as like a, a textbook. It is a little academic maybe, um, but we try to give a lot of examples throughout the book and use illustrations to help people to better understand the, the principles and ideas that we're we're trying to teach in the book. But uh, you can find this book on lfbi.org or on Amazon. It's available there. Um, One way to make it less like a textbook, if you read it and you hear it in our voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh. Imagine us saying it. Imagine us saying it. Then it sounds way less. We've talked about an audiobook too, an audiobook version. You're definitely going to have to be the guy for that. (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But anyway, um, it's available and and you can get it if if you so need. uh, a bigger thing is probably um, our request that if this is a topic that interests you, if, if counseling and biblical counseling is a topic that interests you, uh, we want to invite you to visit lfbi.org to see the 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 path of courses that we offer that address this issue. And so John, uh, as well as Josh O'Hora, and, mm. and at times other, other pastors and professors uh, help them in these courses, uh, and they're teaching us as ministers— how we can be effective counselors using God's word and using principles from God's word uh, to be at work in people's lives, to help deliver them from uh, the snare that Satan may have them in and show them a better way and establish new patterns, whether it be grief or depression or anxiety or whatever it is that they're feeling. God has given us everything that we need as people and as his church uh, to help people. And LFBI uh, is a platform where we're trying to teach you how to minister in that way. So LFBI.org. Uh, will give you access to those courses and you can find out more there. But with all of that said, we thank you for being with us on this episode of The Postscript. We love you. We're grateful for you. Share these episodes with your friends. Please leave a review or subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening on. Uh, But we love you and we're looking forward to spending more time with you again next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.